Hey folks, and welcome to a Daily Rating Special. This week, we'll get Vincent's thoughts on the original Star Trek movies. Vince will give a brief review of the six films, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the films. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. The six Star Trek films in order are... The Motion Picture by Robert Weiss, The Wrath of Khan by Nicholas Meyer, The Search for Spock, directed by Leonard Nimoy, The Voyage Home, directed by Leonard Nimoy, The Final Frontier by William Shatner, and finally, The Undiscovered Country, directed again by Nicholas Meyer. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing, sir? Thomas, how's it going? It's going okay, buddy. How was your uh, special watch this week? Special watch was uh, a treat, uh, of course, diving into the six original Star Trek movies. Uh, something I was very excited to tackle. Uh, this is a fun one. This absolutely. is a fun one. And, yeah. and I don't know if, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Vin, huge Star Trek guy. Got, got me into Star Trek, both yep. uh, original, next gen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that's probably a good way to lead off with all of this because, uh, uh, you know, as far as my engagement with this, uh, with this show, with this series, uh, believe me, I am a Trek nerd. I think for reviewing these movies, yeah. folks, uh, this... I, I do want to make it a mix of for the audience members that have not seen these films. I definitely don't want to get into store, uh, spoiler, spoiler Right, we try elements. to stay away from them. Absolutely. Try not to geek out too much. You exactly. Know? Uh, and, and I really do want to focus on the actual film criticism of it, despite, you know, maybe a specific element that I really like that's a callback to the show. Original series as well is my favorite of the yeah. Star Trek. So. And it should be, just be said, so, and just... Again, maybe people are starting to pick up and everything. Me, you know, this is the first time I'm going to be hearing the numbers as well, your ratings. I mean, that's how we do it. I have no idea until we're actually doing the show. Mm-hmm. And I just know going into it, and because I, I actually haven't seen all of these. Sure. And I'm excited because you are such a Star Trek fan and such a sci-fi fan. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to mark them higher than me. Sure, sure. So I'm interested because I have watched, like I said, I haven't watched all of them, but I have watched some, and it's going to be interesting kind of where you put them. And I think just in general, uh, you know, talking about the amount of films that we're dealing with here, the these movies alone, six. The Next Gen's movies brings it up to 10, and then you have the remakes, which brings it up to 13. Mm-hmm. You know, this can be kind of put head-to-head against Star Wars, uh, which... Uh, oh, just the amount. Yeah. It's, just, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know... So, first of all, let me uh, before we just start, mm-hmm. I want to know, when was the last time you really sat down and watched these? I, I would say Rathicon I watched most recently just because I was craving Rathicon. Okay. I I would say the the farthest away uh, or, or maybe the one I watched the least was uh, Voyage Home, the fourth one. Okay, so how long? Um, maybe how, how many years has that been? I want to say maybe at least seven, eight plus. Oh, good. Okay, uh, what we're talking about here. So was so. it fun to sit down and just go through them? And I'm assuming this is the first time you really back to back to back to back and oh, critically. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you've done the marathon before, yeah? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not all six, but right, right. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a good time. And I mean, I think uh, for a lot of these, uh, again, the outlook here is kind of fifty fifty. If you're a Star Trek fan, and maybe the other side of that is if you're not a Star Trek fan to it. No matter what, uh, I am a huge enjoyer of this uh, of this franchise. Uh, I love it to death, and original series is my baby so believe me we'll I, see how critical you can be then we'll <laughs> putting you to the test i think i think you'll be shocked <laughs> <laughs> hey without further ado let's start with the first one that came out star trek the motion picture 1979 yep what do we have all right the motion picture this one is 
Uh, a little bit of an oddball. We have, uh, in the course of a Star Trek original series, obviously the show ended back in 63 to 65 or so. Uh, oh, that was uh, the gap. Yeah, yeah. Major oh hiatus. And in between there, we have Monoliths, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, oh, Star Wars itself. Yeah, uh, oh my god. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, Star Trek The Motion Picture is really a amalgamation of a lot of themes. Also, apparently, in the production of this movie, this was this original plot was supposed to be the lead into Star Trek Phase Two, which was supposed to be a rekindling of the original series with original cast, exactly oh. uh, pre Next Gen and, and be an entire series. Apparently, the pressure of these movies, most notably Close Encounters of the Third Kind, in '77, I want to say. Mm-hmm created a pressure among Paramount to say, hey, we got to just make these into movies. We got to make blockbusters. That's the idea was. Exactly. Uh, The director, Robert Weiss, uh, how much involved in the original series? Uh, I'm not too sure off the top of my head, but as far as uh, the director, he is the only director, he's the only one that did not direct future films because obviously we have involvement from the main cast being Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. And Nicholas Meyer then just uh, also did too. Yeah. My um, boy Nick, <laughs> yeah. he does a good job. Uh, Gene Roddenberry was around for writing and everything like that. Yes, I believe he was the. He only passed away uh, by the time the last one came out, Undiscovered Country. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's of course uh, now overlapping with Next Gen. Of course, that would be Picard and Riker and whatnot. Of course. You know? Data, but, my favorite. Absolutely. But motion picture is an oddball. That that type of background is not just for fluff believe me uh, it definitely does uh, show how this film was produced because it is a, a mix of a lot of uh, a lot of different tones and styles and you can see that definitely in the script itself it was going for a much more grandiose sci-fi than the original series show was and the the style of it is I mean there's there's straight up horror elements mixed in here there are very trippy elements a la 2001 A Space Odyssey yeah I'm sure uh, sure not by accident those are in there absolutely and for that reason it's a, a little bit of a mess I'm not gonna hold the punch there <laughs> <laughs> um, it is uh, probably the biggest cardinal sin here is that it is a snoozer this film would benefit greatly from a fan edit uh, in some sort of way it's, and especially that's kind of that's risky, mm-hmm. knowing the huge films that you just mentioned that are coming out around that time. And right. if they wanted to bring this back for an original kind of series, mm-hmm. but if Paramount was just like, "Oh, we need some big blockbusters mm-hmm. out there," you think they would go for like the jugular mm-hmm. on the first one? Like, let's wow everybody. Absolutely not the case. I, 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 uh, not the case, and almost so much so that the stage set for Wrath of Khan was like, "We need to save the series already." Ah. Yeah, uh, so it, it's a shame because the plot itself is a hardcore sci-fi plot. Honestly, the script itself belongs in original series, both for it being related to, I believe, an episode called The Changeling in kind of concept, but also uh, it is a dynamite sci-fi script uh, of how they're coming across this anomaly in space. Okay. And this anomaly is beyond imagination and how large it is and how complex it is and really is an ideal Star Trek story. Uh, a theme here for this special, folks, is definitely going to be the balancing act of what Star Trek is about which is discovery and investigation and then sprinkles of drama and action uh, and maybe strategy as well in there. The main piece of it being discovery and investigation, this film almost gets there. They're, they're interacting with something really out there, but man, it is just reaction shot. Then we look at then we look at what they're flying through in, in space, and then uh. it's back to reaction shot and it's back to what we're looking at in space. And, you know, believe me, 2001, one of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm, absolutely. The type of long, drawn-out shots that Stanley Kubrick builds in that film are very purposeful to say, the movie. I was going to say, had purpose. Absolutely. This feels like it's trying to rip off the style for no apparent reason. You think that, that's interesting. It's, it's like an amateur attempt, almost. So this was, it. how long was it? So it's over two hours. So what if it was like almost a TV special where it was like, an hour and a half, or even like an hour, it yeah. probably would have been so much better. Sweet spot, and maybe that even I, I of course, full speculation. Maybe that even plays into the fact that this script was supposed to be maybe it was episode to be. one of this phase two. Yeah, right, yada, right, or, you know. yeah. 
So who knows, you know, and they, they maybe just they had to stretch it out and, you right, know, right. making things really moody and, you know, psychedelic almost. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. In that same reason for this kind of, um, again, a hodgepodge of, of different themes in sci-fi, there are some real odd sequences that horror is explored uh, in this. I love uh, that. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think more often than not with motion picture, those sequences for me are refreshing because I know they are totally out of left field. I am kind of marking it as a bad criticism-wise because of all the big thoughts and the big feelings that this film is trying to convey through its sci-fi plot. You know, honestly, those those sequences where horror is introduced uh, in a slight way or kind of an unsettling uh, environment really kind of takes you out of it, mm, honestly. Okay. It's, wow. It's, it's not exactly a good one. Uh, so more than anything, those sequences, the long reaction shots, they add to the length of the film, and that is number one criticism. This film is just far, 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 far too long. It should be 90 minute. It should be 90 minute should be uh, much more to the point, especially if you're going to, let's say you really want to spend the time on the exploration of space uh, and the surreal elements of what they what they get involved in. Mm-hmm. It is, man, uh, it's just, uh, it takes so long to get there, and then the, the subject matter itself is a slog, you know. I okay. Mean, it is a slow, slow movie, but it's a, it's, it's a shame because there's a lot of cool elements. I would say the script itself is almost the ideal Star Trek script uh, in the subject matter and how it ties to, you know, what they're trying to discover. You know, unknown, un- uncharted parts of space and interacting with aliens or, or powers that are, are well beyond what the Federation understands. Mm-hmm. This is that, but it's, it's just handled it just, in it- such a... Poor way. It fails in other, yeah, in, in other, uh, in other areas. Absolutely. One big positive, and this will be actually something that I, I maintain for across all six of these films, is the practical effects. Uh, I think yeah. if yeah. there is anything that is a universal highlight across all six of these films, is that the practical effects of the ship of uh, any sort of uh, uh, space anomaly, uh, anything that special effects or CGI's would be used for is top-notch practical effects, and they hold up extremely well. I mean, that's that's awesome, first of all. And Absolutely. it's great to hear. You, I mean, some of those original episodes of the series were not the complete opposite. Oh, right, right. So, that's. I mean, that's awesome. They had the big blockbuster budget behind it as well. Absolutely. And it's, how great is it to be watching a movie how many years later mm-hmm. and it to keep up like that? Absolutely. I, I did... Uh, originally uh, start with comparing some of the Blu-rays uh, versions to this version, or oh. to, the, to the normal standard definition version. There's nothing changed uh, like you would have actually in the in the Star Wars uh, um, sequels or, mm-hmm. or the uh, the sagas, but the good thing about that is that uh, they, they both hold up. Uh, and sometimes that's not the case with Blu-ray either. You know, right, sometimes yeah, no. the enhanced definition kind of hurts the visuals. It well. can, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But that, that really is where I stand on, on motion picture. I think confused in what it's going for in its style uh, and it's a shame because I think the script is kind of wasted. It um, is a shame. Just the fact that it's called Star Trek the motion pictures <laughs> yeah. is like the this this is the one. <laughs> yep, this is the one. This is the one. For the sheer amount of it being uh, a snoozer, it's really hard to recommend this film because do I think it hits on an objective of necessary watching for a Star Trek fan? No. Yeah, and but if you're a Star Trek fan, you're going to watch it. Mm. It's material it that is has material. Star Trek in front of it. Especially, yeah, especially since original series is only three seasons. You know, you're you're craving for more. Well, that's, I was going to ask that. So, okay, you're not a Star Trek fan. It, 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 let's say you're. Do you need to watch the motion picture to move on to the other ones? Do they reintroduce the characters, or is it just like okay? It is the are the films made knowing like you know who the characters are. Yes. We're not going to go through all of that. Yeah. It, okay, it is like that. Yeah, all the films are definitely direct sequels to the five year mission of those three seasons. Uh, okay, so imagine let's say well maybe you're younger and you just haven't watched the original series yet. Maybe you've never been a Star Trek fan, but mm-hmm. like okay, let's watch the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, do you is it still? I mean, most people know what the deal is with Star Trek, but let's just say for those who don't and watch mm-hmm. it, they won't be completely lost if the first thing they're uh, watching is the motion picture. Yeah, I don't know if they'll be completely lost in, in the sense that it doesn't really get involved into maybe like 
the Ca- deep concepts of who's outranks who on the ship or on the and bridge, f- right? And, and, full, and full on character development. Exactly. Stuff. You know, it, it is. We are jumping in to to a sequel to what's been around there, but it's they're they're dealing with such massive stakes right off the back that the movie is about itself. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Okay. So I I do agree with what you're saying. You know, you could probably you know tread water if you just jumped into this. Yeah, film. you'll figure it out. Yeah, but for that reason, I mean, I think. Again, uh, not a stellar film. Uh, I, I can't. I can't really defend this one too much because, again, uh, <laughs> listen. I'll, I'll. I'll put my my money where my mouth is. I'll, I'll probably try to cook up a fan edit at some point in my life of this film because I think it really can be an amazing film if you just chop off a lot of fat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for that reason, uh, we're gonna go ahead and give the motion picture. A 36. Wow. Oh, that's worse than I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, then again, you did say Rathacon. They bring it in to save it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But 36. Wow. Don't want to go back and watch it now. Uh, yeah, honestly, I can't say it's worth it. And um, I think uh, for uh, for any of the you, folks out there that are Star Trek fans, I, I think the sentiment is really the same, is really dead on. That it's, you know, it's it's more of a shame when you watch it. It's it's just so, so slow. Uh, I'm just, know. you know, it didn't come across me. This might be the most. Th- this podcast could could sink us <laughs> or propel us. I mean, we're talking about we're on, we have Trekkies listening to this, right? Right. Who knows what's going to happen? Listen, we could be tanked. That <laughs> the moment this this podcast is put out. Listen, that, starting with a thirty six percent. Starting with a thirty. Well, listen, that's why I prefaced it. You I love know it. What I mean, I, I'm a fan. You know, what I mean, I'm 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 saying this with uh, with tears in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so how about this? So thirty six percent for the motion picture. Now, do we need to watch it? to bring us to the second movie, The Wrath of Khan. Thankfully, no. Okay. Uh, so to give a little bit of a microstructure of things, Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home is almost its own little trilogy in things, which is which is really nice. Uh, motion picture is, once again, an anomaly in tone and an anomaly uh, among the six movies right, we have. Right, right, right. So, so we're back three years later, yep. 1982. The movie's just over, under two hours now. Mm-hmm. And... Um, how does the Wrath of Khan save or not save the six films? I'm happy to say the Wrath of Khan absolutely saves it. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's pretty well known as well. I mean, 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wrath of Khan is a phenomenal film and and hits the beats again of what I think uh, a good Star Trek story is about. Is that it's about some some level of discovery and investigation, and then drama and action is sprinkled throughout that. Right, and properly uh, done as well. Exactly. Khan, played by Ricardo Monteblanc, is a present on screen and they promptly lead off the film with him uh, which is just so great I mean just to compare these two films from start to to finish the it's so muddy in motion picture what they're up against you know it's so abstract (laughs) okay uh, where Rathacon you know it leads off with who is our antagonist? Why do we care? Why are they menacing? You, you know? know exactly what the deal is within first fifteen. Absolutely, first fifteen minutes of the movie. Absolutely, and is uh, really a masterclass in showing and not telling uh, the the menace of Khan. Once again, as is with a good amount of these films, uh, Khan was in the original series uh, in uh, Space Seed, I believe the episode was called. Uh, so once again, a mild callback. We have mm-hmm. a film now being a mild callback to an episode in the original series but to its own credit you don't really need to see that Space Seed also isn't that good of an episode (laughs) so (laughs) we have uh, the film being you know standing on its own 100% and it just ties into the menacingness of of what Khan is able to do on screen just his his stature and how he commands uh, really great stuff the film also focuses on the best of what we care about the main crew the best part of the crew yeah it's so true yeah the friendship between Kirk and Spock also to what we were talking about is maybe watching the original original series required viewing I think for this one that maybe dips more into it this is a late uh, a late sequence story mm-hmm. you know this is developed it very much plays on the knowledge of how much these characters have gone through maybe doesn't yeah, call back it, specifically it, it probably makes the movie just more impactful you're going to care about it more the emotions are going to be higher if you if you have gone through this journey with these characters for the three seasons absolutely right yeah 
Absolutely. And I, I think that plays very, very plainly and very directly into the friendship between Kirk and Spock, which is great. I think for the drama of it, or rather, if I'm going to be stressing that discovery and investigation is the most important part, we have Kirk uh, investigating, discovering something massive to the story and actually personal relationships that we see for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk obviously is this debonair, you know, lady killer throughout the whole series, <laughs> but we actually get. Uh, familial ties in this film which is great to see yeah absolutely I, I will say where this starts th- this does start a little bit of a slippery slope with some of Kirk's motivations that I will definitely be criticizing in Search for Spock and Voyage Home but at least for this film it does not detract from it at all uh, and more so used for proper motivation of how much Kirk is really going head to head with our main antagonist uh, Khan of course so but I got to say I mean as far as that balancing act of drama action and discovery the pieces that tie together how Kirk and team is able to outwit outmaneuver outstrategize Khan it is a solution to a plot element it is a solution to a story that is very plainly a Star Trek solution you know this sure, is yeah. it's not uh, dipping too much into a blockbuster finale, or things just kind of self-resolving themselves, which unfortunately later movies in this franchise fall victim to because whether the production was a little bit more hasty or Hollywood getting more involved in Paramount, you know, who Did knows? they not know that the movies were going to continue? Um, like with this, I'm sure maybe they had three already scheduled. Sure. I mean, who knows how that Absolutely. all played out? Absolutely. Yeah, I... You know, were they taking it mo- you know, film by film at a certain extent? Mm-hmm. Where with this, they knew a third one was coming. Who knows? Yeah. I'm really curious to see where it leaves off, but, uh, you know, or, or what, how much they knew intentionally behind the scenes of how much they want to grow the series right, in, of, right. the, of just these movies. But Rathacon really is just the perfect balancing act. It's everything you want. It's everything inspiring, but also menacing, and especially what they're up against with Khan. And it, that discovery element uh, is really there. It's not going too far away from the mission statement of them exploring the unknown uh, and finding new things in in the galaxy, uh, which is fantastic that this film really does hit the... Uh, the fun watch of watching maybe a villain and conflict on screen, but still hitting the main beats of what a Star Trek story should be. Right, right. Uh, for that reason, though, we are going to give Wrath of Khan a 79. 79. Ooh, so it doesn't quite break the 80 mark. I don't think it breaks the 80 mark. I think... And for- just again, to just touch on that, again, I mean, it's, most people are, I think, picking up on it, but especially since we're getting a lot of new listeners. Mm-hmm. Um once when you break the 80 mark, that's kind of what we think are should watches. Such good movies, you should go out of your way to apps. These are films everyone should watch. Absolutely. Uh, so this just doesn't quite get there. I think it's, it, it doesn't quite bridge that gap. And obviously, I mean, it's kind of trivial maybe not to give it one point more uh, for how much I really do enjoy this film. But I, I think true to our kind of mission statement for like a, a watching guide or, or an audience uh, audience guide, if you were not a Star Trek fan, would I consider this a must watch? You need to, you know, kind of find a way to watch this. I don't know. I don't think it is. That's not distracting at all from it being a phenomenal film. Uh, that's not detracting at all from the fact that, you know, how much I enjoy this as a Trek fan as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just more so uh, understanding where that sits with my criticism and, you know, how much is this going to be useful for audience members? Yeah, I love it. Over. I mean, that's, that's, I love that score. I think that's probably where I would put it right there high mm-hmm. 70s honestly i mean it's still a heavy hitter absolutely but i think i would be right there i too wouldn't put it uh, quite in the 80s absolutely love it okay uh well let's keep on going then we have the rathacon we now have the search for spock so this is a direct sequel uh as the voyage home will be to the events of the previous film so i'm going to try my best to stay away from spoilers but this is these are where the films uh, start to take a dip for me uh, and it's unfortunate that leonard nimoy uh, the man who, who plays spock the actor directed these because you know i i would want these to be better to see him behind mm, the chair abs- and, yeah absolutely yeah. uh search for spock is just a 
really slow, depressing start to the film, and it's honestly pulling teeth to get the band back together. We have a separation of our main crew uh, in the beginning of the film, and to get to the point that we are all back together, we're back to basically a square one where, you know, you want the movie to start. You want, you know, the movie to begin with who you care about on the screen. And pick up where you left off. Exactly. Immediately, yeah. It, it, it takes just way too long uh, on this film. And, and, and really pulling teeth is, is exactly what I would describe it as. I wonder if that's what people are thinking too. I mean, I'm just looking at, you know, Wrath of Khan came out in 82 and then The Search for Spock came out in 84 already. Mm-hmm. And you have to think viewers in the seats in mm-hmm. the films are thinking the same thing. Like it's still fresh. Two years is not a lot. Mm-hmm. They go from film to film. Absolutely. And it's got to be fresh and like, okay, let's keep this story rolling. Absolutely. And it doesn't quite give you that. It, it, it takes a while to bring it back. It, it's it's like restart. They, they really got to jumpstart the engine of things. And it's, man, it's, it's, it's a shame because the film does reach a point where there are interesting things uh, happening on screen. Um, um, I'll get into a little bit of the conflict of the film in just a moment, but especially for the end of it, uh, some of the conclusion feels rushed, and it just makes you wonder, what were we doing for the first maybe one-third of the film? So it's like act one. Yeah. It's just preparing things. Exactly. And they don't need to be. Exactly, it's exactly. It's like self-inflicted wound kind of. Uh, especially with how much they build up uh, what getting back together, the band together, getting back mm-hmm. the crew together means in basically in opposition of the Federation. Star Trek obviously is tied directly to the Federation and and, and their goals. So in this film, you find we find our crew going a little bit of against the grain, against some orders, uh, kind of in a maverick way. I think that's fine as a plot device, but that really does bite these next two films in the ass because there are consequences set in the beginning of this film. Mm-hmm. And they are only increased upon, but then slowly and slowly, there are no consequences to the actions of our characters. And it it feels very weak, and it feels... Unimportant. Unimportant waste of time. You know what I mean? I'm sorry to say. Takes your heart out of it a little bit, probably. Exactly. When especially Star Trek is based off of the realism, the real stakes. I mean, there's, this is a show where uh, probably a good quarter of the episodes are court-martials, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's about real consequences right. uh, uh, in a system, in, in how, do, how does space work, you know, how, do, how does an organization like this work? So, you know, I'll get into it more. But another thing that I want to focus on is I feel the conflict is very weak. These later films, I feel, have a hard time keeping up the stakes. Uh, with Search for Spock, that plainly lands in the fault of the Klingons. The Klingons are not menacing at all. <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm forgetting the guy's It's the thing. exact opposite of what you want also. Exactly. I mean, when, especially when you're talking Klingons, I mean, you want them to be absolutely... Cunning war masters, you know. Uh, you want to be scared shitless. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Where the Klingons in here are honestly bumbling fools. Uh, they're played as a joke uh, in a lot of scenarios. Maybe there is uh, a, a certain uh, unruly chaos, an unpredictable madman element that they want to go with the Klingons. I'm forgetting the actor's name. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher. So uh, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, as the main Klingon uh, as well. He, you know, I, I like the actor, but he just plays it so goofy. He plays them as, like, kind of a exasperated, uh, you know, flustered, uh, focused with taking control of a situation but not really understanding the situation. And uh, it, it just, it just, it, it reminded me of what, honestly, I can't stand in the newest uh, Star uh, Star Wars sequels, that the Empire is just like not menacing at all. The Klingons in this are just not menacing yeah, at all. Yeah, it's just not what you want. It creates weak stakes, and most importantly, even if you have no appreciation for what the Klingons should be, let's say even you are watching this with new eyes, there's nothing uh, there's nothing compelling about the villain on screen. You don't like the villain at all because they're 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 pointless. You know, they're mm, window dressing. Yeah which is a real shame. Uh, Of course, uh, in the name itself, we are missing Spock. uh, And I think that uh, really, really, really hurts the chemistry. Uh, Just how the highlight in Wrath of Khan was all around that this was a late story in the sequence of these characters' lives. And we can, you know, jump into 
more developed type of plots, more developed type of character interaction between all of the main cast. Missing Spock, as someone as so critical as Spock, uh, is a really, really horrible misstep because we are missing this this magic mix <laughs> yeah. on screen. You know what I mean? Incredibly crucial person. Yeah, for the first season, there are two names given in the opening credits, and it's Kirk and Spock. You know, we're missing that that half, uh, and that's that's really the way to see it. It also spotlights other characters. Other characters honestly get to step up to bat a little bit more in mm. this film, which you could say, all right, I like that. You yeah, know, let's I see like their chops, kind of. Let's exactly. See, yeah. Let's build on this character, and uh, yeah, honestly, the 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 acting is 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 all over the place. We have some good performances, I would say. Sulu's pretty good. Uhura's pretty good. I would say Scotty is probably a uh, a pass fail. <laughs> there's there there's some some definitely some good and bad. McCoy's really not the best. But when it comes into the point I'm trying to make with that is that because we move someone so big and someone that would have a focus, maybe even a A plot, B plot ownership for the film, uh, without Spock, it is, it's missing uh, a magic element. Okay. Um, last thing I'll state is, again, the consequences of the film are non-existent, uh, and it's a real shame for something that I pride myself as a Star Trek fan off of its realism, uh, its stakes, its role in the greater picture of the world it crafts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? You care about the Federation. You care about what are the goals of these nations battling. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and to... Have both of the nations that are the spotlight for this film, one be goofy and inconsequential, and then the other man just has no realism to it off of a film, uh, off of a series that has only realism, it really falls short for me. So Okay, so what do we end up giving it? Uh, I'm going to give Search for Spock a 53. Uh, I think uh, okay. more than anything, All right, yeah. you know, more than anything, uh, it is a... Something that's going to have to be a watch when it comes to uh, coming off of Wrath of Khan. And uh, much like I was saying in the previous, uh, in some of the previous series that we've done now, at this point in the film, uh, or in, at this point in the saga, if you've watched this far into the films, you, you're, you're invested. You're, you're going to give it the time uh, that you... Uh, you need to dedicate towards it to understand the greater story at play. Yeah, especially if you're saying, you know, that's, there's a mini trilogy kind of in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, so we have 82, that was 84. And now again, two years later, 86, we have the next installment, the fourth film, but kind of the actual third in this little trilogy as yep. you set up, kind of. Yep. We have The Voyage Home. The Voyage Home. For a very long time, folks, I have said that The Voyage Home was my least favorite Star Trek film. Uh, This film incorporates a time travel element that's not really a huge spoiler because really all over this film is... Is I mean it is flavored eighties as as eighties as it can be. Uh, I, my first note here uh, after watching it was eighties extravaganza, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, and not in a good way. Right, right, and and don't get me wrong, there have been time travel elements in the original series. Once again, there are elements of this in the original series. I I forget what episode it is, but the specific uh, scientific way that they. Uh, explore uh, the time travel element is explored in the original series. So once again, a good foundation that they're starting with. The particular time travel is done for very high stakes in the film as well. A abstract threat is is threatening the Federation, and this now overtakes what will be the looming consequences of what the crew of the Enterprise have done in the previous film. So, you know, they have to kind of go back and talk to mom and dad, essentially, and something takes place of that in the precedent. This causes a need for this time travel plot, and all very engaging at first, uh, all very true to Star Trek and the duty that these crew members have to protect uh, this, you know, protect the society, the Federation as a whole, yeah, and, yeah. and what they're after. So, all good stuff there. I can't stress enough, though. This is not a Star Trek film. Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> and again, Le- Leonard Nimoy is uh, in the director's chair. I know. And, and he, he taps out after this. Of course, I have no idea what could have happened behind scenes, but uh, I don't know. Now, this one, as much as I don't like it, it is kind of well-revered online and among fans just because it's not technically a bad film. Uh, as far as it being kind of an oh. 80s comedy, sci-fi, wacky story, it doesn't necessarily achieve that in a bad way. So, Okay, so if you're looking on it at a different way, if you come... If you start watching the movie, you have different eyes, basically. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming from it from the Trekkie, okay, I'm following off of the original series. I'm, I'm here after the original series, after mm-hmm. the first three films. Mm-hmm. You're going to take it how you're taking it now. I think so. Yeah. I think I think watching it sequentially, it's definitely a whiplash effect. Now, if I go and I just like, just like okay, let's just put this on. I'm in the mood for an 80s comedy space <laughs> movie. Right, right. It's like, sure, it's a relatively okay time. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I think I think the, the window dressings of it are enjoyable. And, and and there is enjoyment in the movie. There are generally funny parts. There is kind of a cleverness to the plot and why they have to be in the 80s very specifically. Okay. But, man, is it just mismatched with the reality of what's going on in present day for the story and the severity uh, of what is introduced in the first, you know, fifth of, of what the movie is? Yeah. It is... Some serious stakes, and you're watching this, and you're really engaged in it, as uh, uh, you know any kind of sci-fi would be, but definitely a, a Trek fan. You're seeing what's happening on screen, and you're saying, "Wow, how are they going to get out of this?" And there's just such a, a, a mismatched lightheartedness among the ah, film, and it just takes you out of it. Exactly, ah, it's just the problem with yeah, it's a when, lot of problems of movies today. Exactly, and when the stakes are probably never higher for the crew of the Enterprise, so you uh, could have had some real intensity, you could have had real emotion in these scenes. Absolutely, and it's just it's just boom, they take you out of it. Yeah, I, and I, honestly, I don't know what they would have done either way, uh, otherwise, because I well, mean, could have made it a better is, movie. <laughs> Very true, very true. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I don't know what they would have done otherwise in the sense that, I mean, the film is so much in the 80s that, like, it is the movie. You yeah, know? yeah, mean, yeah. You would, you, it would be uh, an entire re-envisioning of, of what uh, Voyage Home would be if you changed it. So, definitely, I can't say deserves a fan edit and might be better. You know, this is, you know, uh, down to the <laughs> core. It is it is an 80s comedy. So, I, I think the time travel, not the worst I've ever seen. Uh, I feel like we've honestly been reviewing as of late a lot of above average time travel stuff. But right, right. The time travel is is pretty much identical to what they do in the show. So nothing too bad there. But once again, for the finale of what this mini trilogy is, and if anything, it, the stakes of what the crew of the Enterprise has done and what they have to return home to face for what they've wanted to do and and this kind of maverick disobeying orders, even in the plot of the film itself, them coming back home, them trying to find a resolution to things really just puts the cherry on top of no consequences to the films so far. There is... A meaningless conclusion uh, because of how much of <laughs> how much of a happy ribbon bow is put on top of it, and just because there's a successful win, that there's nothing else that needs to be done. Uh, if anything, actions that would be taken almost paramountly in any other version of the show, specific episodes, other iterations like Next Gen, are completely thrown out the window and if if anything rewarded in the film uh, and it really doesn't feel like Star Trek on top of the comedy coding of it a shame yeah I'm interested (laughs) where this is gonna land I think yeah uh, (laughs) why don't we just jump right to that then because uh, you know, it's really just going to be me harping over how much I just don't like the feel uh, of... Uh, You're upset that it's uh, not Star Trek. It's, yeah, it's just... It's, <laughs> come on, guys, you know? <laughs> Roddenberry's not dead yet, either, you know what I right, mean? Right, It's like, what's going on here? You know, the silliness aside, like I would say, as far as a film, it functions, it is entertaining, uh, it's just not a Star Trek film. For that reason, there's a little bit of a give and take, a little bit of pull in both directions, but I think for me, The Voyage Home lands at a 39. Okay, so what you thought was your least favorite 
is your second least favorite by a hair. <laughs> by a hair. Yeah. But for the most part, the Voyage Home of the Motion Picture, a little, little, uh, little, yeah. little clunkers. A little lackluster. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a shame because I, uh, uh, of course, you know, again, I, I can't overstate that I, I really do love this franchise and... This criticism comes from an equal part of film criticism, but also criticism for the fans and, and for a viewing audience that may be jumping into this and exploring and really chipping away at the massive amount of content that is Star there Trek. Is. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people who haven't dipped in. Maybe there's the new ones or something like that, mm-hmm. but there's so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, I strongly believe that watching these movies, you'll come to a similar conclusion that at most you'll be left with kind of a, well, that was all right, you know, if not huh. worse, you know, where I land in a, in a critical outlook. So safe to skip? Safe to skip the voyage home before we go on to the next one? I, I would say so far, and, and I'll definitely recap this for, for where I sit with this, I would say so far as a watching guide, it is Rathacon or Bust. I don't think there is much you need to watch beyond that uh, okay. until we get to maybe some of these later ones, but we'll, we'll obviously get in a Okay, so, so before we get to the last two, especially before Shatner takes the director's chair there, uh, we're just going to take a break and talk about uh, the value for value model. So we're not going to have a producer segment here where we go through all the producers that helped uh, donate and help support us. This is just a special, so we don't kind of do that on our specials, on our special episodes. But we do just want to take a second to remind you we're operating, operating off of the uh, value for value model. Do you find value in this podcast? Are you going to the website, checking out all the ratings and all the information we have on there? Uh, If you're enjoying it and actually using it, if you could, uh, donate something to us. What value did you get in monetary terms? So you can go on the dailyratings.com, go to the the, uh, donations tab. And uh, just contribute if you uh, if you'd like. You can send in a note as well, and we'll read it. Uh, we'll read it on air here. Mm-hmm. And uh, there could be a lot of feedback on this one. Crucify Whether, me. Hey, or, I, I mean, I think I think I'm all open these, for the fight. <laughs> I think all these make sense too. To be honest with you, right. uh, it, it's definitely laying down where, where I think where I think they should be personally. <laughs> uh, regardless, so if you could value your mind, you know, I, I called you. Uh, I think I called you guys listeners earlier. We don't want to look at you as listeners. We want to look at you as producers. You know, mm-hmm. we would love to kind of start our own little thing here. We want to grow. Uh, who knows? We want Vin to get as uh, large as he can, and maybe he can actually do the film ed- or the fan edit. You're right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> We need it. Yeah, you got. You have to fund the. We fan need a couple edit, more downloads, I think, before we get there. Um, but actually, the support we've been getting and just some of the feedback, and uh, we see the numbers are kind of going up, and we just really appreciate it. And again, monetary wise, it, it costs some money to do this, and it certainly takes a decent amount of time to do this. So, producers, we would appreciate it. DailyRatings.com, donations tab. Now, let's go. We have two more. Let's do the final frontier. Mm-hmm. We have William Shatner now sitting down. It's two years later. It's 1989. Mm-hmm. Shatner. And then what do we have? Final Frontier. So Final Frontier is among fans, among kind of online criticism of this, uh, is actually the least favorite film of hardcore fans. And it's primarily because this film... Is very surface level. It's very Hollywood. Actually, watching this film, and I would be curious actually to hear from some of our audience, it, you know, it, upon maybe even rewatching this film uh, with hindsight of the remakes, the JJ films, uh, did this feel like a JJ film in how flashy and how quick and how surface level a lot of the science fiction is. They're just kind of introducing things and moving it faster and faster. I I think that was an overwhelming feeling and my first note here in watching this and that it feels like the first Hollywood, Hollywood Star Trek. Um, I mean, that makes sense. I'm sure Shatner had a lot to do with that. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and, hey, you know, I, I, I didn't say it actually for the last two films i love leonard nimoy i i love william oh we Shatner. adore him yeah. adore him so i mean this criticism you know hey listen everyone's everyone's got a stumble <laughs> so, uh, the team uh as far as the actual actors are working uh, looking their worst physically uh, <laughs> <laughs> what year is this actually this is this is, this is 89 this is 89 so uh, it's a I, lot of movies like there's a lot of star trek's came out in the 80s yeah yeah uh they well, that they, can look better though right i mean the time keeps on going. It's that. It's just noticeable. It's, it's, it's weird because the next one they look better. I think it's just like the oh. makeup was maybe just real dicey and that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. They look bad. I would say for the saga and and reviewing all this special effects as well. Also, uh, probably the least.
least impressive. Again, my 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 praise of it uh, that I mentioned in, in motion picture, and and I really you know not not to sound like a broken record that really does get applied to all these films. So keep that in mind, especially if that's going to be a big positive for you watching. I know films. for me it would be a huge po- that kind of stuff. I really care about. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and 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 to see that it holds up in a, in a major way that you can still kind of engage you. Absolutely. You know, that's huge. Uh, I would say it is the weakest in this film. Not necessarily bad, though. So uh, there's just some little moments, little sequences. There's a jet boots sequence uh, that is a little odd. Okay. Um, you can very see that it's wires, you know, and it's, it is what it is. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see where the funding is. We'll do have to do some research. But but a little bit of the plot here, because it, it, it's it's an odd one. This, this film deals with Spock's brother. Now... Big positive. By this point in the story, we finally have Spock back to normal in his position among the crew of the Enterprise. So we finally get Spock back, and fortunately we get a very Spock-focused uh, story. Leonard Nimoy is really the main focus here as the... I, I, I struggle to say this as an antagonist, but the antagonist is Spock's brother in this. Okay. Uh, so... Interesting, you know, right off the back, you, you know, a, a fan's ears would perk up uh, yeah. and, and say, oh, well, Spock's brother, you know, how, how do we get involved in that? Man. <laughs> <laughs> there is such a lack of stakes because of Spock's brother being, you know, related to Spock and not necessarily evil as a Vulcan, just right. kind of different in logic and, sure. and and whatnot. A very, very little conflict motivation. It's almost kind of like we get introduced to things and then we're all just kind of progressing somewhere in the plot. And it's... So- it's not a lot of stakes again. Yeah, not a lot of stakes again. So you don't care that much uh, exactly. about that. You just don't care where the film and goes. And they are going to something that does have stakes towards the very end, but where oddly enough it falls through is I do think very plainly either in the writing or in Shatner's directing. Again, I go back to this analogy of it felt like a newer film, like the J.J. films are just a newer film in Hollywood in general. All the sci-fi elements, very brisk, very quickly do they cover, you know, what are the implications of what they're interacting with. That's both for the conflict, but also their solution to it. Okay. It is missing the most important third of what I've been describing, the discovery, the investigation element. Yeah, it's such a huge Um, part. Exactly. It is Star Trek. Yeah, and it's a shame because... They're going, or at least the, the the script and where it goes in the beginning of the film, Spock's brother. They're saying what what they're saying, and you're you're watching this film. You're saying, "Wow, this is pretty high stakes. This is this is something I'm interested." It is fumbled in the execution mm. throughout the film, and boy, oh boy, is it fumbled in the finale of the film. That is such a shame. So it, it had unbelievable potential. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Was it the uh, writing? Like, was the entire plot awesome, and it was the writing and the acting that killed it? Or it was just like, no, the writing was good, and then it completely dropped off? I, I think the thing is, why I, I, I have this as a major positive, I, I think the the writing and the acting is is pretty damn good okay. uh, in this. And the uh, gang's back together, right? Exactly. Like it's not just Spock's, not, everyone's back. And yep. Okay. We're not dealing with any sort of hobbled version of the crew enterprise. Right, you know? right. We're firing uh, at all cylinders. Exactly. Uh, it's more so how briskly they, they cruise along. There's no... Weight, uh, you know, there's sure. stakes and weight. Let me maybe make a distinction there. You know, stakes would be my investment into the story. Weight is how does it feel to me uh, viewing it on sure. screen? Okay, you yeah. know, how does it hit home as an audience? I think, yeah, well, it's uh, both. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 stumbling on both, uh, which is a shame. And, and that really is my my last point on it that I I need to stress. You know, probably. Weak character motivation, weak uh, conflict uh, is why this film is so poorly reviewed online, where for me, I think it it really hits home is that it is the exact opposite of motion picture, mm. where motion picture was all substance, no style. This is all style, no substance, and that very critically 
is not Star Trek once again. Yeah, yeah. You know, Shatner was probably just trying to, you know, what this was eighty nine. I mean, obviously yeah. we have um, we have uh, Star Wars reaching its conclusion. I mean, not, not to say it's nothing more than its contemporaries or its peers at the time, but. You it know, was in the air. It exactly. was definitely, yeah. On the shoulder of giants. I mean, I think that's appropriate to look at how a film is made and what's influencing and what they think, more importantly, audiences want to see. Yeah, I mean, definitely, big time. Yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, really the exact opposite. Uh, you know, the story, the conclusion, very surface level. For that reason, man, I, I, I bounce back and forth because if I really had to go off of enjoyment... And legibility of the film, like how much you actually want to pay attention, eyes on screen. I think motion picture is lower. But for the final frontier, ironically, not the final film. (laughs) (laughs) Not the final frontier. Psych. (laughs) Um, We're going to give it a 32. Oh, what? These are... Stinkers. This is turning out to not be a good Mm. (laughs) film series. And, 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 And... yeah, I'm I shocked. I I'm a little surprised they're this low. Actually, I, I guess now just looking at this, I mean, yikes. Listen, and and I'm still excited. To, I honestly, I want to go back and watch all the six films. Sure, still. I'm sure. just upset. I'm going to be upset, <laughs> right? In the end, right, right. Especially when you have like a hard hitter in there too. I know. Yikes. And, and listen, I, I can't stress this enough. You know, for my Trek fans out there, I'm not a turncoat. I am not. I do not crucify. I mean, you can crucify me. That's fine. You know, I, I'm I'm standing by my 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 thoughts and my criticism. But you but. love OG. Uh, yeah. Trek. This comes from a believe me. You love it. Next Gen has what eight seasons. You know, I have to piddle around for scraps of roughly like one season and a half of really good original series Trek. You know, because right. there's a lot of goofy episodes. Oh, too. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, phenomenal, but like not really good substance. So believe me, I want to love these films, especially those films when, you know, a concept like Spock's brother is, you know, I mean, I want it. Oh my gosh, absolutely. But they're stinkers, folks. (laughs) I'm telling you. That sucks. I mean, just to make another comparison to Star Wars, which maybe, you know, I don't know if, I guess it's natural if there's going to be comparisons there. It's just like... It's like the prequels. It's yeah. like it's like how there's only good two good Star Wars films, you know. Right, uh, right, there's, right. There's, it's basically that. So, man, that's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think there's good news ahead because here we we have the final one. We yes. have the Undiscovered Country. It's 1991, and we have Nicholas Myers. I'm glad you back, picked up on it. Yeah, back directing. He directed Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And something tells me. Paramount, because Paramount made all these, correct? Uh yes, I believe so. I mean, the, the production had to be like. We, what are we doing? <laughs> Who is our team? Who is our A team on well, this? As a fan, I would love to go see a Star Trek movie directed by Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. Absolutely. I mean, especially like it, it would be the coolest thing. Absolutely. And and you I, think who else <laughs> to write right. a character story? For Absolutely. These Absolutely. You know? And apparently Nicholas Meyer is the guy. He is the guy. So he we have Rathicon and here we are. Undiscovered Country. We're now at our oldest, even though we may look better. Than they the do Final look Frontier. better. It, it's really weird. They look honestly better than even, you know, the Voyage Home, the the, the one before it, uh, Star Trek Four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's it, an it, odd it, one. And and this is the conclusion, this sixth mm-hmm. film, the, undis- the Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. How does it fare? I, I am ha- very happy to say that the return of Nicholas Meyer, and, and probably there's more credits to give. You know what I mean? We put a lot of emphasis uh, on the ratings behind the director credit, but there's probably a, a much larger team responsible for, this, uh, for what I think is a very positive reception of this film. But we finally have... A Star Trek movie, which what I would call class. There is sure, sure. a a finally a a weight to what's on screen, a seriousness taken over, and, and that's some of the Star Trek I love the most. Absolutely, I love the when it really gets intense and mm-hmm. it really hits at that because it could be lighthearted, of course, mm-hmm. it could be kind of weird and silly and goofy, mm-hmm. but some of those deeper, really emotional, impactful moments that that's. Yeah, that's where I love the series. Absolutely, and that goes for next gen too. I mean, that goes for all of it. And I think it's perfect that you're even referring to it in 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 a way as intense. You know, someone may understand that as oh, was there a lot of action? No, we're saying like there's intensity in the stakes. Inten- yeah, intensity in the drama. Inten- and how is it delivered? It's yeah. And this is great because uh, basically the the central plot element is that there is a disassembling of the 
neutral zone between the Klingons and the Federation. Mm -hmm. uh, right off the back, the Klingons are handled in such a such a 180 from what we saw uh, in Search for Spock, and really a lot of you know what early Star Trek was that Klingons were maybe a little bit more goofy. We yeah. see menacing Klingons. Good, we good. see That's exactly what you want. Strategic masterminds, the Sun Tzu's. You know, what I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was. Yep. That that's what I love, and and it's great because even though there may be there's some goofiness to the interaction on the Enterprise side and and among our main crew, it's honestly welcome. The co comedic elements of this film are welcome because there is such a, a tenseness between these two uh, be, between these two sides yeah. that you need that kind of release valve. But it's done appropriately and at the right time. Mm -hmm. They don't take you out of a, a very serious moment. Right. With just like, oh, let's just throw in some comedy here. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, done at the, it's, it's done tastefully and properly. Absolutely. Absolutely. We uh, finally have a return of plot devices that were first set a, a set in motion uh, with Kirk from Ratha Khan. Good. Uh, which, well, this, you know what this reminds me of? This mm -hmm. is like J.J. Abrams coming back and trying to save what he can of the Star Wars. <laughs> sure, And the yeah. most recent one that came yeah. out. Nick Myers. Nick, uh, it might have been Nick Myers <laughs> just being like, I am taking my baby back. <laughs> right, right. And doing what I can here. <laughs> coming back into the fold. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry. You know, it, the return of those some of those plot devices, uh, I'm happy to say, folks, uh, it... it retroactively makes up for some of the lack of consequences of the earlier films because, uh, again, no spoilers, but there is a major plot device relating to Kirk and how he processes it in the previous films is so laughable. Mm. Uh, it's like, did it really happen? You're asking that as right, an audience right. member. Uh, and the fact that they incorporate it and, and Nick Myers and team brings this bring this back to be a central conflict point between him and the Klingons is just so masterfully handled. It is awesome. Uh, I, I love it to death. Uh, it, it is fantastic. It finally feels like there's, uh, it you know, consequences to character actions too in this interaction between Klingon leadership and the crew of the Enterprise there is almost a mismatch in why is the crew of the Enterprise talking to this uh, this uh, this you know uh, elite leadership uh, of a nation mm -hmm. and it finally puts them in the line of fire that they have to be accountable for their actions and previous actions in the film so once again honestly I think you hit the nail on the head Tom now that you said it <laughs> there almost is an apology of this <laughs> it's correcting all the wrongs it's, that were made it's doing it all it's, it, it's Nick Meyer just saying listen don't worry I'm here, and everything that was wrong, I'm going to do my best. I only have one film to do it in. Right. I am doing my best here. <laughs> right. Which I uh, love. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really quite ex excited to see this. And it Absolutely. almost, I want to go back and watch all the other ones mm -hmm. just to get to this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. The... CGI, again, probably second, uh, or, or special effects, I would say, a second best, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, second worst in, in relation to it. Again, I think it's just probably a reality of we're getting farther and farther in the decades, and they're the trying the to industry be cutting was going. edge. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're trying to be cutting edge in a way, and, and again, it's just one of those things that I'm not going to knock something for looking old. Hell, one of my favorite movies is Aliens, and there's some very rough, uh, or Alien, and there's there's some very rough special effects in there, but if it is done in a tactful way, if it is relatively timeless, then that is what I'm concerned with as sure. a critic. So, uh, I, I, you know, finally in this film, we have the Federation and the Klingons, uh, you know, really a serious force in the story, and it feels good because for a story so developed and a story in the sequence of where these characters are in their life, we are dealing with leadership of the Federation, leadership of the Klingons. You know, we are at I love the very it. tippy top, yep. you know, which is, again, gee, maybe what all these films should have been about, you know, uh, and the yeah, stakes yeah, are sure. bred from there, you know, are, are, are a byproduct of that, you know. They're dealing at a higher level, very simply. They're not just this exploration vessel out in space. It's so much. It's so much bigger mm -hmm. than just the ship now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more than anything, 
hits the magic mark. Discovery slash investigation, and then sprinkling in drama and action slash strategy. You know, that is what it is about. We have the famous, uh, or actually probably, let me, let me think here. Yeah, I don't think there was a single kind of court-martial element in any of these films. We finally have uh, Tones of Justice, which are obviously a big factor to uh, uh, the original series. Star Trek series. fan just looking for yeah. a court-martial. <laughs> right, exactly. I just, I just want law. <laughs> I just want consequence. Uh, but we finally have that. But I, I can't stress enough, this isn't just like a boring political Star Trek film or anything like that. There are good you know, blockbuster beats to this. And uh, I, I think uh, the crew is 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 looking great to try to fill that role of uh, they want, there is exploration, yeah. there is adventure. Mm -hmm. Not Indiana Jones, but there is, you know, a, that, you that know, classic excitement. Star Trek. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge part of it. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of excitement to it. So I really do think it, it hits the perfect balancing act. And for my rating, this may be controversial as far as what I where, where all these movies stand certainly how low some of them have been but specifically for this one I was really positive on this because finally it was following through on what I wanted as a Trekkie you know again I'm, I'm coming from you know I'm on your side <laughs> I'm on the team guy <laughs> I'm not just trying to shit on these films you know it finally was a follow through of what I think <clears throat> Star Trek is about what Star Trek in a movie form should be about and what may be most important Importantly, any general audience can dive into and say, wow, yeah, this yeah, is absolutely. Star Trek, vertical slice, it everything it's about. And that's what it's supposed to be, especially when you have a motion picture like this. Absolutely. You want everybody mm -hmm. in the seats. Absolutely. And, and, and engaged. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and we, we tap on, on each piece, each layer of that vertical slice of, of what Star Trek can be. And, and thankfully, they, they hone in on the good parts. And, and again, I give full credit to uh, the production team behind it. You know, maybe there's a lesson to be learned. Don't give your IP to your main actors. They may not know Sometimes what Sometimes it doing. works out, but just not here. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so, so? Undiscovered Country, we are going to give... An 80. Oh, what? Cracks the 80. It actually cracks it. Absolutely. I was not expecting this. <laughs> I thought, I'm sure a lot of people weren't, actually. And obviously, just, oh, Rathacon, of course, is going to yep. be the highest. Yep. Oh, my God. I'm excited Absolutely. to go back and watch these now. Absolutely. I'm shocked that you have three 30s in there. <laughs> I am, poor too. poor Leonard Nimoy. I mean, oh, I know. I, I, know. I mean, I do. I do. I adore the I man. Know. But, Rest in peace. Yeah. It's, but listen, I mean... These films, uh, you know, I think they're it, it's a it's a gentle balancing act of yes, maybe are they fun to watch as a Trekkie, sure, but you know, I, I think even from a Trekkie there are or a Trekkie's viewpoint, there are serious problems with what the priorities of these films are, and it makes you question, you know, is this necessary watching? Is this necessary viewing? And and that's where a lot of the scores came from. Is like, where do yeah, I position yeah. this in what time? I mean, you could watch six episodes of Next Gen for the three movies that are in the 30s. Uh, and fantastic. Now you're moving it's on true. to better uh, better stories, better acting, you know, all around better content for the, for the franchise. So uh, I think it's very important to... To uh, look at these things critically, and hey, you may be watching them all regardless, but that's at least my hot I take think, it, on and it. I think it's a great bow on top with the eighty at the end. It gets into oh, the must yeah. watch, and you know, and yeah. people can they can come in here and watch it. They probably should maybe know a little bit about what they're going into, yeah, yeah. in order for it to be that must watch. Yeah. But uh, fantastic! After that slog, it's nice to end on the. 80. It is. It, it is. really is. I was happy to because uh, I really wasn't expecting it either. Uh, and yeah, how great uh, as a fan for you to go back? You've been watching them for mm -hmm. how many mm -hmm. years now, mm -hmm. and to go back and actually like realize different things about these films mm -hmm. that you thought you probably knew almost in the back of your hand. Absolutely, and and specifically with Unders Undiscovered Country, I didn't take it lightly too, uh, because in my rewatching of it, I said. Wow, I'm thinking I kind of like this better than Wrath of Khan, and I gave it a second watch in addition to this. Set. Oh wow, okay. Uh, and I said, yeah, no, I'm I'm confident in in it ticks in that how... extra that one. It's by one, absolutely. But that makes all the difference, really. And it's the balancing act of all pieces. It's not too much.
much of one thing, and uh, uh, it really it, it does the full dance. It's it's wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did the Star Trek ones. We have yeah. a, more specials to come. More Star Trek movies too. Yeah, as well. Anything you'd like to add here, or uh, we'll be rolling credits here. Uh, listen, especially if you are not specifically a Trek fan, uh, do not let some of these ratings deter you. Star Trek is one of the greatest franchise uh, ever made, uh, and uh, hey, just uh, just watch the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, folks, so we're going to do a brief recap here. In order, we have The Motion Picture at 36%, The Wrath of Khan, 79%, The Search for Spock at 53%, The Voyage Home at 39%, The Final Frontier at 32%, but finally, we have The Undiscovered Country uh, at an 80%. Uh, Vin, thank you so much for stopping by. Yes, thank and you. And we'll see you next week, folks. We'll see you as well, and we appreciate it so much. enjoyed the podcast if you would give us a good rating or tell a friend about us if you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you just like to see more movie ratings for vince be sure to stop by the dailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films also if you found value in the podcast or our site become a producer and go to the donations tab on the dailyratings.com you can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from our product You'll get a mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <laughs>